This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Hybrid work is here to stay, or so it seems. More than 40% of people who have the ability to work remotely are splitting their time between the office and home. That's according to a recent Gallup poll. But how is hybrid work affecting people? And is it living up to what it's trying to do? Here to discuss is Emma Goldberg. She covers the future of work for The New York Times. Welcome to the show, Emma. Thanks so much for having me on. So give us broad strokes here. Across the country, how many people are still doing hybrid work right now? It's a great question. Um, There is still a lot of remote and hybrid work going on. Things are not at all back to the way they were before the pandemic. So if you look at, um, you know, offices across the country nationwide, they're just below 50% of their occupancy levels from before the pandemic. And that's lower in some cities like San Francisco, um, higher in other cities like Houston and Dallas. Um, But still, for, for the most part, about a third of paid full days are mm-hmm. being worked from home right now. How many have gone back full time to the office? Um, yeah, it's, it's a good question. Well, the, the, what's interesting is some of the best data on this comes from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and they found you know a really pretty significant jump in um, in people going back to in person work. So their recent numbers found that just about. Um, Seven percent of workers were, you know, working from home at some point in the month because of COVID. So, mm-hmm. depending on whose data you look at, it does look like there's been a pretty significant return to the office. But among people who have the capability to work from home, um, there there still is a lot of hybrid and remote work going on. And of course, we sh- we should note that there are some people who have never had the option to work remotely. Um, workers have expressed, though, the desire to have more control overall of their time, right, over these past few years. Can you talk about that and how hybrid work can satisfy that? Yes, absolutely. Um, A lot of surveys that have asked workers what they want coming out of this period have found that one of the strongest desires right now is for flexibility. Um, Because people realize that they could be productive while they were working from home. They could still get a lot done um, and and then sometimes go in and and still have the bonding and the collaboration that comes from being in person. So they've found that they've benefited a lot from that balance of having some days in the office, some at home. Um, But what's been interesting is that that has really reshaped um, the way people plan out their work days. So there's some fascinating research uh, that, that came out this spring showing that um, people's work days now, instead of, um, you know, kind of having the peaks and valleys that they used to before the pandemic, now have this third peak of productivity coming in the evening. So people are, you know, peaking in, in, in terms of how much work they're getting done in the morning, in the afternoon, and then again, actually at night after dinner, which indicates that people might be kind of putting together schedules that look a little bit different than they did before the pandemic, a little bit more haphazard, but also mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more flexible. Interesting. Hybrid is is really touted as this compromise between employers and workers, right? So how much would you say that it works out that way in practice as a compromise? <laughs> I think the challenge is that it's really coming down to the way that companies are actually rolling out their hybrid plans. So one of one of the biggest challenges is that the main reason that people say they want to go into the office is in order to see their coworkers. So they want to go in not necessarily for the snacks or, you know, for the 
florists and office lighting, they want to go in because they like the people that they work with and they want those opportunities to bond, to find mentorship, um, to kind of have those serendipitous hallway conversations that can lead to ideas. But what that means is that companies need to be pretty intentional about communicating what days people should come in. Because the last thing someone wants is to spend the time and money commuting in only to find that they're the only person in the office. So it's come down to a lot of intentionality in companies that have indicated, you know, this is the day that a certain um, a certain team should come in and know that they'll then get to see their supervisors and their colleagues. And in a lot of cases, actually, that's ended up being Wednesdays. So oh, okay. there's a lot of movement back to the office on Wednesdays. Um, also, also pretty heavy on Tuesdays and Thursdays, not as much on Mondays and Fridays. Yeah, no, that that makes total sense. I mean, even here at, at Chicago Public Media, we, we see the same trend because we've got a mix of staff, some working hybrid schedules, some who are here every day. And between Tuesday and Thursday, it's like a packed house. <laughs> and then Mondays and Fridays are ghost towns. Um, there you go. Yeah. So there are reports that people end up working more, though, when they're remote. You know, they start earlier, they end later. Is that what we're seeing on this hybrid schedule as well? It again is very pretty widely across you know companies, but a lot of research has indicated um, that there there sometimes is some boost in productivity with remote work. One of the the reasons for that is that people might spend the time that they ordinarily would have been commuting instead actually just getting into their workflow. So a lot of research has indicated that that time people would have been spending getting dressed for the office. Um, getting on the train or getting in their car. Instead, they're just getting a head start on the workday. Um, so, so that actually ends up being a boon for employers. And it's it's also a, a psychological shift I'm hearing from day to day, right? You know, going from seeing your colleagues in the office to working potentially alone when you're at home and then back to the office again to your coworkers kind of all in one week. Are you hearing that as well from folks? Exactly. Yeah, it it is, you know, I, I think there were some, um, for some people, some mental health challenges that emerged during the period of remote work. It can be a little bit lonely for people being cooped up in their homes or, or only with their families. And I think a lot of people do really find that the connectivity that comes from the office really um, assists them with their work. That being said, some people have also found that um, remote work allows them to kind of put their heads down and, and be more independently productive. So I think for a lot of people, it's come down to finding a balance that works for them of having some days where they're at home and doing more heads down work, some days in the office where they're doing more socially minded work. Did you hear anything about those uh, sort of mixed environments like I, I just described where you've got some, you know, essential workers who have never had the opportunity to, to work remotely or even hybrid. And then you've got a majority of folks who are hybrid. Is, is there an impact there on morale or anything? Um, I think that, that that has been a challenge since the very start of the pandemic. Um, they're just What the pandemic has really exposed is the enormous disparities in the workforce um, between, you know, who who gets the most pay and the most job security and the most, you know, literal safety protections and also who, you know, the economy can't function unless they're leaving their homes and going to work, whether that's transportation workers or teachers or doctors um, or security guards or, you know, many, many others, you know, people in the retail and food and beverage industries. So it has definitely exposed disparities in terms of um, who has the capacity to, you know, and the luxury of being able to, to get their work done from home. Yeah. Do you see, you know, from your reporting, Emma, any indication that the hybrid work schedule will go by the wayside? 
Um, I do not see any indication of that. You know, there. I think that a lot of companies are embracing hybrid work for the more long term. Some have even gone permanently remote, like Airbnb and Yelp and Zillow. Um, so if anything, you know, there's just been a shift more and more toward hybrid work because people have seen that the work still does get done and people benefit enormously from the flexibility, um, in particular caretakers. That's Emma Goldberg, New York Times reporter covering the future of work. Thank you so much for your time, Emma. Thank you so much for having me on. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Consistency is key for creating and sustaining new habits. For people whose work shifted to home during the pandemic, a whole new rhythm got set up. And if you've been fully returned to the office, you've set up yet another flow. But what if, like many workers out there, you're straddling both worlds? How do you create a consistent routine despite hybrid work? Here with some tips and strategies is Casey Davis, therapist and author of How to Keep House While Drowning. Welcome to the show, Casey. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Also with us is Dr. Afifa Shamim Uzaman. She's an associate professor of neurology at University of Michigan Medical School and director of the Sleep Disorders Center at the VA Ann Arbor Healthcare System. Welcome, doctor. Hi, thanks for having me, Sasha. Casey, I'll, I'll start with you. What do you think constitutes a, a routine? Can it be simple? Absolutely. And I actually, when I'm working with people, I like to tell them to, instead of thinking of routines, think about rituals. So think about a small little ritual, which might be like a simple order that you do things. So you might have a getting ready ritual, which is I do my, I take my shower, I brush my teeth, I put on my clothes. Or let's say that your kitchen needs a little bit of a reset. And the, the ritual in your kitchen is that you do the dishes, you change the trash, you wipe down the counter, and then you sweep the tiny little piece in the floor. And the reason that I like that is because a lot of us have sort of a negative connotation with the idea of a routine. We feel like, okay, if I'm not doing it in the exact same way at the exact same time every day, then I'm somehow failing or I've fallen off. Whereas a ritual is something that can be a lot more flexible as mm -hmm. in terms of how often you do it and when in your day you put it but it still has the predictability to make it easier to engage in those things around the house that you need to get done. Dr. Shamim Uzaman, anything to add about how routines can be helpful? Well, absolutely. Um, I think Casey did a great job there. Um, the, the body actually loves routine, especially in regulating your sleep and wake periods. And so having set routines or rituals um, at certain times or in certain orders is very helpful to the body in order to be able to set what time and how easy it is to fall asleep and then also how, how to get going when they wake up. So, Casey, people who worked from home, they've readjusted yet again to being back in person, either full-time or if they're doing it on a, a part-time basis and in a more hybrid schedule. But have they really adjusted? What do you think? I think... I think one of the hardest things about sort of keeping your home functional is that it can often feel like as soon as you get a grip on a certain type of routine or schedule, then something in your life shifts and you have to almost retool the whole system. And so I think people are really looking for, okay, how do I sort of get in the groove of being able to maintain things around my house without feeling like with every little life change, I'm having to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, doctor? Do you think that folks yeah. have really adjusted yet to the, the shift? Well, I think it's it's that 
transition, right? And we're always in a state of transition, quite honestly. Um, I think that um, people figure out what works for them. Um, they're not always, you know, following things that that might be healthy in terms of what works for them. But um, things like, you know, people are getting on their laptops and computers a lot more and longer when working these hybrid schedules. Um, but remembering that they need to, you know, turn electronics off an hour before bedtime and do these little rituals that Casey is talking about are just some examples that um, we think we need to make sure we're always striving towards. Yeah. What do you say, Casey, to, to folks who did create a, a routine while working from home, but now they've got the commute back into the swing of things and that's happening a couple days a week and they're stri- they're struggling to figure out how to manage all of that. I mean, is there a benefit perhaps to doing less when you have those days that you do commute? So putting less on Absolutely. your to-do list? <laughs> I think we all need to sort of manage expectations about what one person is really capable of doing. And there might have been a period of time where people were working from home and they got used to the idea that they had a lot more time and energy to exert in making their home maybe exactly the way they like. But now there's, you know, two hours gone from that time. There are these mini breaks that are gone from that time of being at home. And another kind of swap I like to make that can be really helpful, especially for someone who might be neurodivergent or has really struggled with routines and schedules in the past, Mm -hmm. is to think about the idea of having a rhythm, um, which is a lot more forgiving, right? Like you could have a rhythm that is, I do the same thing every single morning, and you can have a rhythm that is more like jazz music, where it's, here's a ritual that, that I know helps me take care of my kitchen. It may not get done every day. There may be weeks where it's done a couple times a day. There may be weeks where it's done every third day. And really being okay with life disrupting and changing and keeping that rhythm fluctuating and flexible. Yeah, oh, that's a good idea. Rhythm. Uh, Dr. Shamim Uzman, you know, some folks might be tempted to also sleep in uh, on days where they work from home and they don't have to commute. Do you think that's a good idea? So um, what time we wake up in the mornings actually um, sets the tone for not only um, how we we are during the day, but how easy it is to go to sleep at night and wake up in the morning. So we usually recommend not to vary the wake-up time by more than half an hour, if possible. Um, if people, you know, don't have an hour-long commute um, on days that they're working from home, that's great. But maybe only sleep in half an hour instead of sleeping in an hour or more. Um, and just finding something else, another ritual to fill in that time, as Casey was mentioning, doing things, you know, knowing that some days you'll be able to do these things, but in other days when you have to commute, you just say, okay, I'm not going to do those things on mm-hmm. those days. And but help us very big time too yeah, much. And help us understand, doctor, how are sleep habits part of having a successful morning routine? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things um, that, um, uh, that determines our biological or that affects our biological clock is sunlight. So what time we wake up and open our eyes to sunlight actually helps reset our biological clocks. Our biological clocks are a little bit longer than 24 hours. So there's 24 hours in the day where biological clocks are 24.2 hours long, right? So when we wake up, we have to reset our clocks. Otherwise, slowly we'll start to, our sleep schedules will start to drift. Uh, when it comes to nighttime sleep, we always want to try to set those rituals that hour before bedtime, putting away electronics, putting away, you know, turning off the lights, um, not having any lights coming straight at your eyes, 
but maybe as um, Casey was mentioning, you know, take a shower, let the dogs out, mm-hmm. and, you know, these kind of things in a similar order over a set period of time. Like, you know, if it takes half an hour to do these things, okay, you do these things every half hour before you go to bed. It's kind of like um, when we have babies for all those of us who've had babies, um, when you set a set routine for them, they tend to be better sleepers and the body never loses that even right. as you become adult. Yeah, that's very true about babies and, and routines. You know, Casey, is is there a good way here to just maybe change our habits around? You know, I'm thinking of bad habits like hitting snooze, for instance, right? Um, are there things that we should keep in mind to get ourselves enough sleep at night? I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is to be really gentle with yourself because there are people that are always going to be jump out of bed at the first alarm. And then there are people that are hitting the snooze multiple times. But I think the key is if there is a habit that you think would make your life more functional before just running in and being like, that's it, no more snooze, making sure that you're investigating some of the reasons why, you know, are you having sleep disturbances at night? Do you need to look at a nighttime routine? Do you need to Think about a medication that you might be taking or something you might have watched last night, because just going straight in with, I'm going to willpower this change without really looking at how can I make sure I'm setting myself up for success for this change can sometimes backfire on us and we can get really discouraged. So let's face it. We all have these lofty goals. Uh, How do we set a routine that we'll actually stick to? I think the key is start with one. Yeah. Start with one thing, one step. That works. And give yourself a lot of grace. Any suggestions from you, Casey? You're a parent as well. Dr. Shamim Uzman just mentioned parenting life. I wonder what you suggest for the busy parents who are just kind of being pulled in a million different directions right now, but they do want that consistency of of better morning routines. Uh, I think as being a parent in general, especially these days, it's all about sitting down as a family and deciding what are our values going to be during this season. I think especially during this holiday season, you know, it can be really tempting to feel as though you have to be involved with every opportunity that comes across, especially if it's from your kid's school, from your workplace, from a community and really asking yourself, okay, what are we going to participate in this year? Whether it be sports, extracurriculars, um, you know, what will our night times look like? Because for some people, they might decide that they really are going to value that dinner time around the table, and that's going to affect their decisions around sports. For mm-hmm. others, we're going to make a decision that we're going, to, we're going to participate in holiday giving in this way, and that means saying no to a lot of other opportunities. And I think that's really the key, is giving yourself permission to set your own values as a family and not allow yourself to get overloaded and overworked and overextended. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking about morning routines and how to maintain them if your work schedule isn't consistent. And some days you're at home and other days you have to commute to the office. We're speaking with Casey Davis, who's a therapist and host of the Struggle Care podcast, as well as Dr. Afifa Shamim Uzaman, who's a sleep expert with the University of uh, Michigan. Dr. Do we know anything from neurology about what helps a habit sort of set into the brain? Repetition, quite honestly. Um, you know, just doing it over and over. Just doing yeah. it over and over again. It's key. You know, they say, you know, you do the same things and it becomes muscle memory. There is um, repetition is just fortifying things. And then quite honestly, um, with um, 
good sleep actually helps with consolidate memories and consolidate not just what we learn, but also mem- muscle memories and things that we do um, over and over again. Mm-hmm. Casey, what are ways that people can lessen decision fatigue? And tell us what that what that means. I think that the the idea of having rituals is a big part of that, right? Like I mentioned, you know, going into my kitchen. You can go into your kitchen and see a thousand things that need to be done. And you can also recognize that there is no end to the things that probably need to be done. Like any one of us could probably go into our kitchen and spend 10 minutes or four hours, right? Like you could get in there and scrub the stove if you really wanted to. But it really helps to have those little mini rituals around your house so that you know walking into the kitchen, there are four things I need to do to get it functional. I might do more than that. I might even do less than that if I'm really feeling a lot of stress. But when I go into my bedroom, I maybe know that there are three or four things that I can do to get that space functional. When I want to clean up the playroom, right? Like having those mini rituals allows you to sort of pull out a little script and go on autopilot in Mm -hmm. a space. Instead of having to have this huge decision-making process with every care task that you're trying to engage in. Are there best practices that you can share, Casey, for people with depression or with ADHD trying to adapt to a hybrid work schedule? I think the key is to ask yourself, what do you need to function in your home and sort of throw out the rule book. For example, if what you need to function at your home are clean clothes, but you find that you're having trouble with getting your laundry done, if you ask yourself, what's the part that's hard? Some people might identify, well, I keep putting it in the washer and then forgetting about it. And so you talk about setting a timer. Some people might say, well, I I have a hard time getting things folded and put away, so it just sits there. Well, maybe we just skipped the folding process for now and put them away in our drawers so that at least it's organized. It's all about just small moves towards functionality, not trying to take on some whole new aesthetically pleasing system that you read in a book overnight, because that typically, it doesn't stick. And I think the point to, you know, something becomes a habit through repetition Mm -hmm. is really important. And the important thing to remember about that is that you're going to continue to repeat something as long as you don't feel discouraged against it. And so even if you miss a day, even if you miss a week, maintaining that grace and kindness to yourself Because if you maintain the grace and kindness, you're going to come back to it. You have a lot more motivation to come back to it because you don't feel as though you failed. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, because sometimes it's hard to stay consistent, right? And you will miss a a week or two, but that's good to know that there there is a reward in the end. Uh, Dr. Shamim Uzaman, we've talked a lot in this conversation about morning routines, but just talk about nighttime routines and how important they are when you're trying to simply set yourself up for success here. Absolutely. Nighttime routines are key. Um, a lot of a lot of times uh, people think that they can just be going, 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 going until it's time for bed and then they go to bed and they should fall asleep. Right. It, it doesn't always work that way. Of course, some people are very sleep deprived and they can do that. And some people are great sleepers and they can do that. But for the vast majority of us, um, we really need to have a wind down time before we go to bed in order to be able to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that, you know, that that requires whatever works for the individual. But some things that are commonalities are turning down the lights, Mm -hmm. you know, not having the lights blaring all at, you know, full blast. If you have dimmers, use dimmers. If you don't, then just, you know, have the lights off in the room other than where you're sitting and doing something. Things like if you like to read a book, 
um, before going to bed. We'll do it outside of the bed. Don't do it in bed because we don't want to do things that require us to be awake in bed or we lose that association of the bed as a place to sleep. So read in, read outside the bed. Maybe use a light a lamp that shines on the book or mm-hmm. is behind your head instead of facing your face so that the light's not shining in your eyes. When we shine light in our eyes, we shut off our melatonin production, which helps us fall asleep. So um, just little things like this. If we want to watch TV, you know, we do that outside the bed, have the room dark, keep the TV at least 10 feet away from you. We always try to say, hey, try to avoid any screen time, though, that hour before bed. So not on your phone, not on the computer, um, because those things, especially they get very close to, you know, 18, 24 inches away from your face. They will shut up melatonin. Yeah. And so that will make it oftentimes hard to sleep. The other thing is one thing that we oftentimes find is that people um, don't give themselves enough opportunity to sleep. Right. So we want to make sure we're giving ourselves a good opportunity to sleep um, that the bedroom environment is is dark and quiet. You know, I know a lot of people like to have their dogs sleep in the bed with them. Um, (laughs) They're having It's cute, but it might not be the best idea. (laughs) Right. We'll leave it there. Dr. Afifa Shamim Uzman is a sleep expert at University of Michigan and Casey Davis, a therapist and host of the Struggle Care podcast. Thank you so much.